Hey, welcome to another exciting podcast from Freedom House Church. My name is Troy Maxwell. I'm the senior pastor of our church. We are one church that meets in multiple locations, which means we have different communicators at all of our different locations. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from one of our teaching teams. I know that it will bless you. You will walk away changed. So enjoy this message. Hey, Freedom House, what an incredible weekend we had here with Authentic. I'm telling you, it was so good. I heard so many ladies say, best Authentic ever. And it's just been such an exciting weekend, and it's going to continue today because we have one of our speakers from Authentic, uh, Allie Muncie, all the way from City Church Chicago. She and her husband lead that church, and I tell you what, she brought some fire this weekend. Uh, She is beautiful inside and out. She's actually former Miss Illinois. How incredible is that? Um, But what's more beautiful is the Jesus that lives inside of her and how she vulnerably shares that um, with us. And so I just want you to get up on your feet because this woman is going to bring it today and you are going to be encouraged and changed by the time you walk out this door. So Freedom House, give it up for Pastor Allie. What's up, Freedom House? How are you doing? Welcome to all those that are watching online. We're so glad that you tuned in here this morning. You may be seated. You know, just based by that introduction, I think I like myself a whole lot better just based off of what you said. So it's been an honor. It's been a joy to be with you Um, at the Authentic Conference. We saw so many women Um, just have life-changing moments, and it's been incredible to see the work that God has started and uh, just to see what he's going to complete this weekend. Are you ready for the Word of God? All right, awesome. Um, I want to encourage you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to Matthew chapter 15, and I want to talk to you today on the subject of the heart. The title of my message is When the Heart Speaks. And so we're going to dive right into scripture in Matthew chapter 15. It says, Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders and they don't wash their hands before they eat? That's just gross. (laughs) They don't wash their hands. The traditional uh, rules of the elders were not only... For the Jews. They were for some of the leaders. And the rules were created to keep Jews from accidentally eating something that would defile them. And see, these traditions were small. They kept God really small, and it was really petty rules. And Jesus replied, Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? He then points out to the hypocrisy when they use their tradition to bypass the responsibility for taking care of their parents. He says, thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth by accident does not defile them. So the whole 30, you know, the keto diet, it's like, it's good you got your diets going on. But it's actually not what you consume. If you consume bacon or plants, that's not what defiles you. But look at this. It says, but it's actually what comes out of their mouth that defiles them. And then the disciples came to him and they asked, do you know 
that the Pharisees, they were offended by what you said? I love this. Jesus says, leave them alone. Let the blind lead the blind. Both will fall into a pit. And then he says, explain this parable to us. I love this because this is Peter. He's like, I could see him in the corner just eating a piece of bread. Be like, yo, Jesus, can you just like explain this parable to us? And he looks at Peter, and I, I love Jesus' response. And I love Peter because I can identify sometimes with Peter. But he looks at Peter, and he says, are you still so dull? Those aren't my words. These are the words of Jesus. He says, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? Clearly, digestion. But the things that come out of a person's mouth, those are the things that defile them. See, the word defiled carries religious implications because to be defiled means that it puts you at odds with God. So basically what this scripture is saying is that what comes out of your mouth puts you at odds with people. And if you're at odds with people, that puts you at odds with God. Let's pray here this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. God, I pray, Lord, that you would illuminate the right now word for Freedom House. God, that you would just open up our ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are working on us from the inside out. And God, by your spirit, you are changing us. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would shake us, that you would stir us, that you would convict us. But whatever you do, Lord Jesus, don't leave us the same way that you found us here this morning. Make us better in Jesus' mighty name. And Freedom House said? And Freedom House said? Listen, I'm from Chicago, so I heard that the central campus was a little bit loud and rowdy, so you can get a little bit loud and rowdy, make me feel at home, because Chicago, you know, we're, we're on the go, we're in the hustle and bustle, we got the best sports teams, <laughs> well, at least I got a response out of that, Lord Jesus, help our bulls, I'm actually a Lakers fan, so... Don't, okay, I'm going to stop on the sports. <laughs> See, the religious leaders of the day, they were kind of like bullies on the playground. And uh, in Matthew chapter 15, we saw the uh, tone of the re religious leaders. They were always looking for a reason to catch Jesus on an implication of the law. They were trying to catch him or trap him in his own words. And so they were kind of like that taunting voice, like, Jesus, doesn't the word say this? And kind of like a, a, a plug nose or a, a kid with, like, snot coming down his nose. And like, hey, didn't you say that in your word? Like, why are you doing the opposite of what the law says? And so they were always taunting Jesus. They were always looking to catch him in something wrong. And they once approached him in the earlier chapter when he was on the Sabbath, he saw a man with a withered hand and he went to heal him. And before he was about to heal a, a, a person that was sick, a person that was needing healing, they intervened, they stopped him and they said, Jesus, isn't it unlawful for you to heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus stops and he drops the mic like he always does. And I can just see him just putting these guys in check. And he talks about a sheep, and he says, how many of you, if you had a sheep, because in the, back in the day, the sheep would represent an investment or it meant money. If your sheep fell into a pit, wouldn't stop to take that sheep and pull it out of the pit. How much more? How much more valuable is someone's life than a sheep's life? 
Clearly this man was sick. Clearly this man needed help. But they were so caught up in their religious pride in the law that they were trying to focus on Jesus and catch him doing something wrong because jealousy and pride were inside their hearts. And they knew the law. They could recite the law, but they didn't represent the heart of God. How, how are you able to get into a point in your life where you're surrounded by brokenness and that you could easily offer words of healing, that you could easily offer words of encouragement, but because of our own pride, because of our own situations, because of our own junk, it inhibits us from being the light into someone else's life. So Jesus is challenging the religious leaders of the day and saying, you're coming in here with your nice robes, your bells on the bottom of your robes, and your nose held high, and you're looking at what everyone here is doing wrong. When I'm seeing sick sickness and brokenness, and I came to heal the brokenhearted. I came to set the captives free. I didn't come to prove that I was right. I could do that in five seconds. I didn't die to be right. I already am right. I already am perfect. It's not about your rightness because your rightness never produces the righteousness of God. It's not about being right. But oftentimes in our life, don't we get stuck in these patterns of trying to prove how right we are. We're in an argument. The reason why we have pride in our life is because we get so stuck in our own way. And Jesus is saying, let's not get so stuck in what's right in our own eyes that we miss the grander and the bigger thing, which is people. And when you're at odds with people, you're at odds with God. He said Re reconciliation, love for people, is the most important thing. See, I love the writer of this gospel, Matthew, because Matthew knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to do wrong. He was a tax collector in the day, and Jesus called him to follow him. But, you know, no one invited Matthew out to eat. No one invited Matthew out to dinner. And there's a, a time I could see where Matthew was walking down the street. He was looking for Uber Eats. He was looking for a restaurant. Couldn't find it. Walked up to some people and was like, hey, do you want to have lunch with me today? And they said, no, because you, like, took half of my money. Because that's what tax collectors did is oftentimes they would take more than they needed. They would get little cuts on the side. And he met a man named Jesus, and Jesus completely changed his life and his world and invited him in to follow. And so I love that Matthew chapter 15, and he exposes the grace of God. He talks about the Great Commission, and he was deeply impacted by Jesus, not because of some amazing revelation of information, but by his heart towards people, that Jesus changed his life and caused him to walk in a different way. See, as Christ followers, we are imitators of Christ, and we should pray that God gives us the same heart towards others as he has for his children. Um, Recently, my husband and I got bikes, and uh, my husband loves to bike, and I'm learning how to love to bike ride, and we have these trails, but I don't know if you're familiar with Illinois or Chicago, but we do not have hills. We don't have a lot of, like, trees. We don't have a lot of hills. It's very flat. And so I was thinking, you know, this trail is going to be fun. He, he wanted to take me on a trail ride. So we went to this park. We found this trail. And he's like, hey, there's actually some falls we can go see. It's about a three-mile bike ride. I was like, that's perfect. There's actually falls in Chicago. Like, there's a legit waterfall. And it said on the map, the falls. So it showed falls. 
and it, and it had this uh, uh, this map on d the direction of how to get there. So I was thinking in my head, three miles, that's not a big deal. I don't bike a lot, but I could do three miles. And if the result is going to be some waterfalls, like I'm game, I'm in. So we get on our bike and we start heading down the trails and we get about three miles in. And there's this, this poster on the side that says another four miles to the falls. And so, you know, I'm trying to be a good sport. You guys know what that is? You know, when you when in your head are trying to do something nice, but then you're also annoyed at the same time because it's not something you actually plan to do, wanted to do. And so you're trying to go along with it and you're trying to have a positive attitude about it. But then like plans change and then you get obligated to more time or you get obligated into more situations. And so I was like another four miles in my head. I'm like, okay. For, uh, seven miles, that's okay. We can do seven miles to the falls. I'm so mad. There's bees, there's trees, and there were hills. Guys, there is not hills in Illinois. There were hills on this trail. I was like, who made these hills? These were man-made <laughs> hills that we were going up and down, and so I didn't plan for, for this. So it was seven miles in, and then we get to another marker. It's another three miles to get 10 miles to get to these waterfalls. And so I'm really excited at this point, not really. I, have, I am sweating, I am exhausted. I had ran out of water, I had not planned for this. In fact, I have three boys and they were about to be out of school and I had some things I had to get done. But I was trying to be a good wife, I was trying to be a good sport, I was trying to have a right attitude, but I'm getting more and more angry as I ride my bike three more miles, four more miles. And it's 10 miles, and we get to this place of the falls, and this is the waterfalls we came to. I think they have a picture of it. <laughs> this was a waterfall for an ant. This was a hose of water. This was a little sprinkle at a baptism. This was not a waterfall. I was so mad. We got there, and it was like the expectation, what we had been building up in our mind that this was going to look like when we got there. It was a huge disappointment. And I know my husband at that point looked at my face, and he saw that I was even more mad. I was like, this is what we <laughs> rode 10 miles to see and see things like this kind of relax him so he didn't mind but it was a, another couple miles back to our car so I think it was like 13 miles plus by the time guys 13 miles the Chicago Marathon is going on right now and I know a lot of people in our church are running it and people train for marathons but how many of you go on a 13 mile like just stroll on a bike like that's just a cakewalk for you I can't move my legs <laughs> my legs are numb. I'm sweating. And then he's trying to, like, take an Instagram live or some selfies. And, and, and it's always, like, if you're married here, your husband wants to take photos of you, not on date night, not when you're out, but it's like when you're doing laundry. It's like, hey, babe, let's catch you in the moment. It's like, this is not the time to be Instagramming, to be putting on the Bluetooth of, of music and just strolling and acting like this is this day is going just right because I am clearly upset. We get to the car, we pack up the bikes, and it's just radio silence. 
And he looked at me, he's like, wasn't really what you expected, was it? Nope. He's like, but we had fun, huh? And then all of a sudden, just verbal vomit. I was like, you know what? No. It wasn't fun. You wasted my day. You wasted my time. I was so angry. And the laundry lists of wrongs kept coming out. You know what I mean? When you get into an argument and it never becomes about that one thing. And then it becomes about that other thing you did last week. And then it was about the fact that you were late picking me up. And then it goes on and on and on. And then I ended it. I ended the argument with, and by the way, I never liked that Navy shirt you wear. So. <laughs> and he's like, Ugh. Just stunned. He's like, Navy, what Navy shirt? What? What from last week? What was going on here? There was something going wrong in me. And as much as I tried to hide it, as much as I tried to bury it, as much as I tried to put on a mask to act like everything was okay and that I was having fun in the moment, I wasn't addressing the anger, the things that were deep-rooted in my heart. And because of this one incident, it had compiled. And then all of a sudden, what comes out? Just verbal vomit. You're just verbal vomiting on everyone. And that's what happens when we let things like anger, when we let things like disappointment bury deep inside of our heart and we don't address them. They start to come up to the surface because you can't hide. You can't conceal the issues of the heart. So Jesus is saying it's important to address what's going on in here. Because if not, it's going to be like shots fired. Everybody is going to get hurt if you don't address what's going on in your heart. Where was all this coming from? Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And the things that come out of your mouth puts you at odds with people which puts you at odds with God. You might have said, I didn't mean to say that. But really what you meant to say is, I didn't mean to say that out loud. (laughs) It's really going on in your heart. And oftentimes it's emotions. It's things that we don't deal with. It's like anger is one type of emotion that oftentimes sits underneath the surface. It's like a kettle. It's like boiling water. You put it inside a kettle, you turn it up, And you don't know that it's hot until the whistle. That's why I don't have a kettle in my house. That whistle is so loud. And and you really don't know what's in there and how hot it is until the whistle goes off. It's interesting to me how we can just let things brew under the surface. And that we can allow anger to turn into bitterness. And you know what bitterness is like? Bitterness is like an old pot of coffee that you wake up every morning and you reheat. Let me just get my nice pot of bitter. Put it on the stove here today, and we turn on the heat, and it has been cooked and recooked, and we never know what our anger does until we don't deal with it, and it turns into bitterness, and then we pour ourselves a nice cup of bitter. What if we were to exchange that for grace, a pot of grace, every single morning to think about, The fact that the scripture says that his mercies are new each and every single morning. Great is thy faithfulness. God is faithful to his word that we can bring him the issues of our heart. We can bring him the issues of our relationship and we can give them over to him and he can do what we can't do on our own. Because if you could do it on your own, you wouldn't need Jesus. 
But the fact that we can come to him each and every single morning, I wonder how many of us just settle in our pain and we accept it and say we have to live our life because this is just the things going on in my life that I just have to sit with my pain. I have to sit with disappointment. I have to sit with these emotions. But we can bring them to God. We can offer them to him in exchange. He gives us his grace. He asks us to bring him the issues of our life. I love what James says. Look at what James says. I didn't say this. James says this in chapter 4. He says, what is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you as you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires? You jealously want what others have, so you begin to see yourself as better than others. You scheme with envy and harm. Others to selfishly obtain what you crave. That's why you quarrel and fight. And all the times you don't obtain what you want because you won't ask God for it. And if you ask, you won't receive what you are asking for because you have corrupt motives. Seeking only to fulfill your own selfish desires. But look at this. It gives us a remedy. So then. Everybody say, so then. then. Surrender to God. Stand up to the devil and resist him, and he will in turn run away from you. Move your heart closer and closer to God, and he will come closer and closer to you. I love this because James, the book of James is, is like this. It's, it's more written like the song, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. It's basically if you have faith in Jesus Christ and you know it, then your life and works will show it. It's kind of put your money where your mouth is gospel. It requires an action from us as Christ followers that we can't just be hearers of the word. We got to be doers of the word. We got to apply what we know. And that's when we see life change. We can't change ourselves on our own. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that gets a hold of our life. And then when we yield, when we surrender our life back to him, he does the work that we can't do. And we allow him to come into our life and to clean out some things and to heal our heart. That is the gospel life when we actually allow Jesus to get into our stuff. Because if we don't, we will put unrealistic expectations on others that they were never meant to carry. If we look to man as our provider, then he has the ability to withhold. But if God is our provider, then everything that we need in every single season will be found in him. See, the reason why we struggle is because we want people to see things the way we see them. We might say things like, I'm frustrated, but there's not really a difference between frustration and anger. They kind of have the same outcome. We might say things like, I earned it or I deserve it. But really, at the end of the day, it's about not getting our own way. James says you want something and you don't get it. So you engage in disputes to get your own way. But we can pray things like, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. What are we doing in that moment? We're exchanging our will for God's will. We're saying, this is my way, my way of seeing it. I really... I'm angry. I'm really wanting others to see it my way, but God, I pray nevertheless, not my will be done, your will 
be done. Proverbs 14.30 says, A tranquil heart gives to the body, but envy rots the bones. Solomon was the wisest person that ever lived, and he said, I saw all the achievement that came from competing all the way from envy of one another, and everyone is determining their own success by someone else's success, all meaningless and chasing the win. Basically, you can never ch chase the wind. It can't be caught. It's the toiling. It's the exhaust exhaustion of trying to chase something. Better one handful of tranquility than two handfuls of toil and stress. Even if you have less, it's better than losing yourself, than trying to keep up with both hands. If you find yourself only engaging with things that benefit yourself, then we know that selfish ambition is at the root of our heart. Do you do things that only benefit yourself or you do things for the benefit of others? And when we refuse to address the things that are going on in the heart, it's when our own relationships can be destructive to others and it puts us at odds with God. See, in psychology, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, practices tracing words, behaviors, thoughts, and emotions back to beliefs that motivate and activate, express words and works. And according to the CBT, to change your outward behavior, you have to change your inward belief. CBT is a common and widely effective treatment for depression and anxiety. This is actually a kingdom principle. When your belief system changes internally, it changes your external circumstances. See, it's not bad to be broken. It's not bad to be broken. What's bad is when we bring our brokenness to the wrong places. But did you know that you can bring your brokenness to the presence of God and be completely safe? And God will be faithful to heal us. We don't want to take it to Snapchat. You don't want to take it to social media. Take your brokenness to the presence of God. Because shame and condemnation is not from God. It's not God's goal to make you lament for the rest of your life on your wrongdoings, to get you to sit on those things. That's actually the language of the enemy, the adversary. God's language is love. God's language is reconciliation. His whole narrative, the reason why the Bible was written, was for us to understand the redeeming love and the effects that Jesus has when he takes over our life and he changes us from the inside out. I don't know one person in the Bible that had an encounter with Jesus in their brokenness and their sickness and wasn't changed and shaken from the inside out, that their whole life was rocked and changed from having an encounter with one man that was able to change everything. And when you have that true encounter with Jesus, you can't help but turn and walk a different way because you understand the grace of God. The grace of God that saved you, that kept you, that carried you. When everyone else left you, he never left you. He never left you forsaken, but he loved you, and he carried you, and he kept you with him. I love Jesus. He's a faithful friend. He never lets us down. 2,000 years of credibility. When you can't count on others, you can count on Jesus. When people let you down, when people break your heart, guess what? There's a man that's faithful to heal. His name is Jesus. He is our Savior. Do not put other people in the place of Jesus. 
He is the Savior of our life. So there's a few ways that we can address the issues of the heart. Number one is to pray about it before we talk about it. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will be with you. So what does this say? Does it say worry for a little bit and then give it to God? It actually says, do not be anxious. Do not worry about anything. So before you start talking about it, you got to pray about it. You got to give it to God. So I kind of look at it like this. Um, They have it on the screens. It's Jesus. I am, you could fill it in, frustrated about so-and-so. I give this issue to you. I know you work all things for my good and your glory. And I want to thank you for my relationships. But right now, I accept your peace. Peace is my portion, and I gladly take a hold of it today. Peace is your portion. Did you know that? Peace is yours because you are a child of God. And number two, be slow to speak and quick to listen. In efforts to control, we often take more time talking than we do listening. When I was in California with my middle son, Costi, we were um, going to my sister's wedding, and we were on a beach, and there was a a place marked out where we were not allowed to go because the waves were really big, and I didn't know that. I mean, it was crowded. It was like a public beach. It was full. It was packed, and I wasn't really paying attention to the signs as, as I normally do, and we started walking, and I was like, wow, this is an empty area. Let's go play over here. My son picks up a stick, and he's drawing, and then I'm seeing that these waves are crashing and bigger. I was like, you know what? There's not a lot of people over here. Maybe, maybe actually we really shouldn't be over here I'm trying to get him to move, and he just starts drawing crosses, like at least 20 of them. I'm like, Costi, what are you doing? And he didn't look up. He just kept drawing the crosses in the sand, and he says, I'm just reminding myself who controls the waves. Wow. I was like... My mic drop. I was like, did my son just minister to me? (laughs) My young son just didn't even look, didn't even pay attention to the waves. I don't know if that was a bad thing or a good thing in the moment, but they were coming at us bigger, harder. These waves were crashing in, and he just kept writing crosses, didn't even look up, didn't even miss a beat, just to remind myself who controls the waves. Sometimes we need to stop talking start listening listening to God's word, listening to what he says about you, and understanding that we can't control everything, but we serve a God that does. And it's our job to trust, not to control. And if we speak less and listen more, we will grow in the things of God because God wants to do some things inside of us. He wants to speak some things to us, but oftentimes we're too busy talking that we're not listening. Proverbs 10, 19 says, the one who talks much will for sure sin, but he who is careful in what he says is wise. Proverbs 19, 11, a man's understanding makes him slow to anger. It is to his honor to forgive and forget a wrong done to him. How many conflicts in our life would we avoid if we sought to listen rather than to speak? If we sought to understand rather than to be understood. 
Number three, speak truth and love. Notice it's speak it in love, not just speak the truth. You know people that get up and they just say, well, I'm just going to share my truth. It's my truth. I get to say whatever I want. Anyone can do that. And we get on social media, you can say whatever you want. You can treat people the way you want because sometimes in our brokenness, we hold on to that as a truth. Like I just get to say whatever I want and whatever tone I want because it's my truth. It's actually harder to do this. To not just speak truth, but speak truth and love. And if you look at it, what is the motive? If the motive is love, then the conversation will look differently. So if my motive is reconciliation, then I'm going to approach the conversation differently. If my motive is love, then I'm going to use different words. But if my motive is to get my own way, if my motive is to prove something to you, if my motive is to make you feel what I'm offended at, then the wording will look different. The tone will look different. But if we can filter it in love and know that that's actually the kingdom way, and guess what? It's counterintuitive to the way we are wired. It's just natural for us to do it the opposite way. But if we're going to follow the kingdom, if we're going to follow God's ways, then we have to be rooted in love and look at it as a filter. It should be like a filter on our pictures. Love could be a filter on our words. Is what I'm saying building you up or breaking you down? Is what I'm going to say going to leave you better or worse? And if we filter our words like that, then we will always be speaking in the kingdom language. And number four, be imitators of Christ. Ephesians 5, do as what God does. Much loved children want to do as their fathers do. Live with love as Christ loved you. He gave himself for us a gift on the altar to God, which was as sweet as a smell of God. Be an imitator of Christ means that we have to be willing to give up the things in our heart that would rob us from living a life fulfilled by Jesus. These are all destructive forces that eventually cost us our relationships. And in closing, I uh, went on a trip with my husband to Snoqualmie Falls. Uh, this is in Washington State. This is actual falls. <laughs> Apparently, I went on this, on this trip with him. And, it, and we stayed two days. And he tells the story of how we walked through the falls and how the spa treatments were awesome. But I don't remember ever going to Snoqualmie Falls. It's so weird. And so when he references it and talks to other people about it, I lit we just laugh about it. I'm like, are you sure that was me? <laughs> I'm like, I don't remember that story. I don't remember that happening. He's like, oh, it for sure happened. We were married a couple of years. We were there with, and then we were with friends and they were like, yeah, you were there. Why don't I remember this trip? It's so weird. I remember going for breakfast with, with my family members there. And I remember the falls looking at them. I don't remember actually walking down to the falls or staying in this uh, hotel. It's so weird. And so when he talks about it and he tells the story, I have no reference point. And I think about God, about how when we ask him for forgiveness, did you know that the word says that he forgets, that he doesn't remember anymore? That means that when you bring it back up, he goes, what are you even talking about? 
I don't remember. I don't recall that happening. He's like me at Snoqualmie Falls. When he's trying to talk about it, I don't even remember it. And so I can't even follow the story. So when you bring things back up to God that you already asked for forgiveness of, he's going, I, I can't even recall that. I put into the sea of forgetfulness. I don't even know what you're talking about. So if those thoughts or those emotions are coming back up in your life, that's not me. That's bringing it up. The enemy is always going to try to bring up situations in your past and throw it in your face and tell you you can't move on with your life and want you to lament and sit in this pain and wallow in your wrongs. But Jesus came. He died on a cross so that we could be completely free, not partially healed, fully healed in Jesus' name, that we can live a life of abundance, a life of fullness, good relationships, that we can look at all the good things in our life and know that God had worked every bad situation for our good and his glory, that we don't have to take life as it is, that we can just forget our past, that we don't have to dwell on it. We can move forward because that, that's what repentance is. It's, it's turning around. It's doing an about face. That's actually what repentance is. It's actually saying, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sins. I'm going to go this way now. I'm not going to look backwards. And some of us here today, I think, just need to take a hold of this word and understand that the God that we serve is not a God that wants us to dwell in what we did wrong. He wants us to think about everything that he did right. And he loves us so much that he wants to heal us from the inside out because he knows that it's important that what's in you is going to come out of you. Would you stand to your feet today? I'm just going to pray for you. Jesus, I thank you that your word is living and it's active. I thank you, Lord, that your word never comes back void. God, I just pray that you would just do something radical in our hearts here today. Uh, for those that need to accept forgiveness, I just pray, Lord, that you would give them the grace to do so. God, for those that need to repent, God, I just pray that you would give them strength to repent so they can walk in a new life and freedom in you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord Jesus that it is your will that we live a fruitful life in you. And God, I just ask you that you would fill us afresh with your grace and your mercy, that you would change us from the inside out. God, that you would truly allow us to encounter your grace and who you are. God, that you would let everyone know that you are for them and not against them. God, that you have called them and that you have equipped them and that you have given them everything that they need to live this life of godliness. God, I just pray for access to your grace. I pray for those that walked in here today sick in their body, that they would be healed in Jesus' mighty name, that right now, even as I speak, you would touch them from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, that they're going to walk out a different way than they walked in here this morning. For those that were discouraged. God, for those that were heavy in their spirit, God, that you would just lift that heaviness off of them, God, that you would fill them with your joy, your peace that surpasses all understanding. Holy Spirit, do your work in this place. God, we just give you our life, and God, we just pray you do something with it because we know that you could do more with our life than we could do on our own. So God, we just accept the free gift of grace here today. And we thank you, Lord, for being at work in our lives. In Jesus' name.